getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, and we are live. You guys know the drill. We'll let the stream breathe just for a couple of seconds. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, my fellow football priest, fresh off a night off. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, tonight we have our fifth installment of the Superstar segment. It's going to be great to talk to Eclipse Stormborn yep. here in just a few minutes. Dude, I'm, I'm geeked up about it. So am I. I mean, just uh, conversing with him for a few minutes in the green room, Chad. He's such a super cool guy, such a passionate fan, and a loyal supporter of the brand. So I appreciate yep. that. We appreciate that. Can't wait to talk to him. We're going to bring him on here in just a few minutes. First, though, I wanted to get your thoughts, Zach. Of course, our last stream Monday night, we take a night off, and sure enough, the, some real Broncos news breaks on of our night. And that is the first domino falls with regard to the Broncos getting their rookie class signed up. First, it was Michael Ojemudia. Today, uh, Wednesday, we wake up to Albert O getting signed. Ajim, McTelvin Ajim is signed. Um, I'm trying to think. Derek Tuska is signed. And Muti, Natani Muti is signed. So they, I might have missed one, but if I did either way, they got six locked up, four more to go. What's, I mean, it's pretty. There's probably not a lot to analyze on this topic, but your reaction. I mean, I'm glad they're getting him uh, under contract before training camp gets going and the testing gets going and eventually the practices get going. Uh, there's not, like you said, Chad, it's pretty cut and dry. They had the rookie wage scale. These contracts are all predetermined for the most part. Um, you want to see Judy in the building? He will be. You want to see, you know, Cushenberry? You want to see Hamler? Those dominoes will fall, though I will, I will say – if there was a hitch in this process, third rounders, it takes some time sometimes because of offset language. It's a weird negotiation, though in this kind of offseason, I would not be surprised if it's wrapped up fairly quickly. They come to terms and then they compromise on a contract. Not much to say about it. I'm happy it's getting done, and I'm happy we can sink our teeth into some veritable news for once. Dude, what do you think? If you had to hazard a guess, what do you think is the primary reason the Broncos are waiting till the 11th hour to get these deals done? Because, again – these are not free agent deals where there are key issues being negotiated, big dollar figures. It's all slotted per the CBA. 
There's right. a little wiggle room, and depending on where you're drafted, like Drew Locke last year, he wanted the quarterback premium. You talked about the offset for guys in the third round. There's a few rubbed, you know, points of points of contention, I guess you could say. But for the most part, these are cut and dry type of negotiations. Getting these these rookies signed ever since 2011. I have a little bit. I have a theory, but I'm I'm wondering what you think has been the holdup. Every team is doing it this week. It's not just the Broncos. I mean, everyone is waiting to the last second because no one really knew, Chad, when training camp was going to take place. No one really knew a set concrete date, and the 28th was just finalized a few days ago. We didn't know anything. It was constantly changing. So I think teams were waiting to see you know, when they needed to be back in the building, how soon before they'd be on the field. It's not just Denver, though. I mean, this has been a process where since April we've been in the thick of CV and everything constantly changing and everything being up in the air. And when things were finally falling into place, that's when business started getting back on the forefront for teams. Okay, we have to lock down our rookie classes. Uh, let's get to work. That's that's my. That's the only thing I can think of. We saw multiple rookies and a few first-rounders get swooped up and signed by their teams. Quite a while back, it started, actually. And my theory with regard to – and you're right. I mean, the, the avalanche aspect, the majority of them are getting done – basically this week around the NFL. The Broncos, there was zero movement on that front until this week. And I think the reason why, honestly, is the Broncos weren't 100% sure there was going to be a season. And if there wasn't going to be a season, why actually consummate these contracts where you're going to guarantee not only do you have to have the cash to pay the signing bonuses up front, but then you also have to – I mean, it's a liquidity issue, I guess, is the biggest thing. And once they knew for sure we got a season coming, all right, let's get these rookies in. And not to say that they wouldn't have gotten signed if the season would have been postponed or whatever. They still would have been signed. But waiting until they knew the lay of the land is you basically intimated. But I think if you really boil it down, Zach, even John Elway, even Joe Ellis, they weren't 100% sure until, as you said, just a few days ago, we're actually going to have an NFL season. We got to get these guys paid and signed up. Everything comes back to CV this offseason, chat. Literally everything, financial, personnel, I, everything comes back to CV because it threw the biggest wrench in, in the machine, chat. It was one of the biggest hitches in the giddy-ups of NFL history, the CV and the associated impact, you know, the revenue and the season and the games and the players, so many moving pieces and so many dominoes needed to fall. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, that it took this long, but I'm happy that things are normalizing, at least a little bit, relatively speaking. Rookies are getting back in the building. The Broncos shared kind of an insider video with Bradley Chubb, how he rolled up to the facility and went through the process and the testing and all that. Some of it, just a little glimpse. It's weird. It's unique. It's different. It's going to be that way for 2020, but thank God there's football. That's all I can say. Absolutely. So as James says here, quick recap. Broncos have the following rookie draft picks signed. Michael Ojemudia, the third-round corner. Albert O, the fourth-round tight end. Derek Tuska, the seventh-round rush linebacker. McTelvin Ajim, third-round defensive tackle. And the sixth-round guard, Natani Muti. So thanks for pounding that out for us there, James. Keeping us on the up and up. All right, so we want to get Eclipse Stormborn here on the show in just a minute. we got to do some quick matters of business. But I want to get this out in front, make sure all of you know. Any questions you might have for Eclipse, by all means, get them in the chat stream. Uh, chat stream, Buona Beast. We'll keep an eye out for any specific questions or super chats directed at Eclipse. 
we want to hear them if you've got a question for them. So keep that in mind. But first, guys, you got to uh, understand this show and Mile High Huddle continues to grow at a steady pace. Here we are sitting in the depths of the NFL summer. Nothing has happened since the draft and everything with regard to MHH continues to roll on. We got to make sure we know our new listeners and new members of the community know how to connect with us, especially on social media and on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You want to follow the main podcast account. Gates, keep your finger on the on the pulse, as it were, of what's happening with the show in real time. And then also at Mile High Huddle on Twitter. You get those two boxes checked. You're not going to miss anything with regard to podcast programming, announcements, giveaways, polling, or breaking Broncos news and analysis. And gang, we got the news today. For sure, the NFL is going to require and mandate across all 32 teams. If there are fans in the stands, you must be wearing a mask. It's it's required. So we want to point uh, your attention here, one second, to Mile High Huddle mask at the merch store, Huddle Up Pod. Head on over there. Get your swag on. I'm not going to put it on because I don't want to sweat right now. Get yourself one of these face masks. And what's cool about them is not only are you keeping yourself safe when you're out and about, but with regard to the football season and you start getting into the cooler weather and the cold weather games and elements, that's the type of mask you want to have. So you can grab it at huddleuppod.com. If you're not in the hats, T-shirts, uh, hoodies, you name it. If you're not in a position, though, to patronize the merch store, it's all good. Each and every one of you, regardless of how or where you're listening to this pod, whether you're with us live right now, or listening after the fact on demand as a podcast. These three things we ask that you do, each one of them helps us in ways you just can't imagine. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. Like this video, like this episode. And if you really love what Zach and I are doing, share it out there. Share these episodes on Facebook. Share them on Twitter. Get them out there to your social following, your friends, your family, and help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Okay, Zach, before we grab Eclipse, I just want to double check one thing here really quick, and then we're going to get him on the chat stream, especially when we have these superstar segments. It moves so fast. Uh, So let me really quick out of the way because I don't want Duke to get jumped. He says, happy birthday to the queen of MHH on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Duke, with the generosity, and thank you for the reminder and the message. Let's wish Christy a happy birthday. I didn't realize it was her birthday today. The happiest of birthdays to the queen of MHH, Chad, the queen of the Huddle Up podcast. Everyone in the comments, be sure to wish Christy a happy birthday. We're going to get her on the show again, Chad. We're going to give her another segment, another chance uh, to rectify her computer issues from last time. Everyone wants to see what she's has to say about the Broncos and everything. So happy birthday, Christy. Thank you so much for your continued support and being one of the greatest fans on the planet. And thank you, Duke. Appreciate you. All right. The time has come. Let's get Eclipse Stormborn on the show. I'm going to grab him from the stream, uh, from the green room. Here he is in the flesh. Eclipse Stormborn. Welcome to the Huddle Up podcast. Actually in a live episode, you're, you're catching almost every pod live. You're listening. You're rocking the merch store but now you're live in the stream with us dude it's great to have you how are you bro happy hump day broncos family i love y'all glad to be on now this is (laughs) this is something that you have talked about often in the community in terms of you don't make it any secret that you're out there in philadelphia and zach and i this is one of the first questions we like to ask each and every member of the community we bring on the show especially if they're not located in Colorado or in Denver, how did you in Philadelphia, because I know this, that's your hometown, it's where you're from, how did you become a Broncos fan? Well, it all started way back in the ancient times of uh, 1991. And Pee Wee football. And my dad wanted me to be an Eagle, obviously because we're from Philadelphia. And uh, I couldn't because I was eight. And the Eagles went from 10 to 12. And the other team was the Broncos. So I ended up becoming a Bronco. And from that point on, like that 1991 season, it was just like awesome. That's my first time experiencing football. I had like, I think I got sick one Sunday and I went down to the basement of the church and my cousins were down there watching the football game. And the Broncos, like, I think wiped the mat with the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, it was like 45 to 10 or something like that. Nice. But from that point on, it was like, oh, I was like, oh, that's my team. I'm a Bronco. I'm, you know, I paid on the Pee Wee League. And it was like, from that point on, it was bleeding orange, bleeding orange. <laughs> you know what I think? What I think when I hear, when I think Broncos in 1991, I think of Gaston Green, who, had a thousand yard rushing season. Everyone was worried what was going to happen to the Broncos backfield after Bobby Humphrey kind of flamed out. Former yeah, yeah. first round pick. Gaston Green comes in, kind of smaller back. This is pre Shanahan. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure at this time Shanahan's in San Francisco. But nevertheless, um, I want to say it was Jim Fossil's yeah, offense. Still, I could be uh, wrong on that. We still Dan Reeves, yes. Yeah. Dan Reeves, the head coach, but Gaston Green, do you remember watching him carry the rock? Yes, I do. I do. I remember that. And I remember Elway going down in the AFC Championship and Kubiak bringing us within four yards of beating the Bills. Right. Four yards. 
Gary Kubiak, like he almost did it, but <laughs> it's, cool. it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Eclipse, I love how spite is the reason you're a Broncos fan. You don't want to be an Eagles fan, but that's the entire reason you're a Broncos fan today. I love that. Uh, one of the questions we'd like to ask as well is what's your favorite memory of the – I mean, there's so many you can choose over the course of your fandom with Denver. What is your absolute number one favorite memory? My number one favorite memory is actually going to my first – Denver Broncos game and my dad's first Eagles game. We went together back in 2015 and good year. No, 13, 13. I'm sorry. And the Broncos, it was, it was just rocked up, right? It was a slaughter that year. And I think Peyton had like six touchdowns in that game, <laughs> five six touchdowns. And by the end of the game, it was like me and like maybe like 20 other Broncos fans down in like, the 19th row. Me and my dad were in like row 83. I ended up going all the way down because so many fans had left by the end of the game. It nice. was, and my dad was just sitting there, just like <laughs> Peyton Manning just took the life out of all the Eagles fans. But it was, it was, it was a. Uh, that was my yeah. It was better than this, if you remember that game. I believe uh, CBS was broadcast, and they actually cut away from that game because it was such a. A bad deficit on Denver's part. So that was that was the, that was the Osweiler memory. game, right? Yep, I believe Osweiler it was. Yeah. Yep. Fun it times. Sure you know, Eclipse. I think of. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Um, oh, now I just. Oh, what's it called with Bradley Cooper? I just had a brain fart. Silver Linings Playbook. Silver Linings Playbook. Thank you. It's one of my favorite movies and all of a sudden I want to talk about it and I can't remember the title. Have you seen that movie where the Eagles have, now obviously we're not talking Eagles here necessarily, but <laughs> being that you're in Philadelphia, the football team, the local football team plays such a central role in the way that family bonds and stuff. I don't know if you've seen that show. Actually, no, I never saw it. I've always it, thought it was like I was like, it just doesn't sound like something I want to watch. I don't know. You got to check it out, dude. It's got it's got Robert De Niro in it. Just just you know, it's not something you turn on tonight necessarily. Go find it, but next chance you get, trust me, you'll dig it. Now, real quick here, well, let's answer this question the three of us together from Mister Boggins. Oh, yeah, happy birthday, Christy. Yeah, you got it. From uh, we got Boggins jumping in. Appreciate your super chat, my friend. Thank he you. says, with there being no preseason, has your Broncos record prediction changed at all? The Chiefs, the Ravens, and Niners have even a bigger advantage now. Zach, I want to uh, get your thoughts on this. And then Eclipse, I also want to get your thoughts on whether or not the preseason has anything to do with your outlook on the Broncos in 2020. We wouldn't have seen much of the Broncos starters in the preseason, so I I don't form my opinions for the team based on that. And in terms of the other teams on there, I'm not still a big believer in Lamar Jackson. I'm not 100% sold on him. Had a great year. I want to see him more as a passer and and sustain it for more than one season. The Niners, I feel like, are going to have that Super Bowl hangover. They're going to take a step back this season. I'm not changing my prediction, Chad. Nine and seven should be the expectation, not the goal for Denver. Ten and six is right there in in the crosshairs for the Broncos. It hasn't changed at all. I mean, this eclipse is as good an opportunity as any. We always like to get that the perspective of our guests, the outlook, how you view the Broncos this year. What are you seeing this team? I mean, we've gone on record. I'm 11 and five. You've heard me, you know, orange colored glasses. The criticism has come that I said nine and seven is the floor for this team. But what's your outlook for the Broncos? And do you think the preseason being mixed has any effect? Well, I guess I got some orange colored glasses, too, because I agree with you. And I actually 
go one better. I say 12 and four mm. because the Broncos were a 12 and 14 last year. We lost three games by two points. We lost four games, six games by five points or less. With Drew Locke in there, Flacco to Locke is a pencil to a Porsche. You're not, there's that. no way. We wouldn't have lost that Oakland game. We wouldn't have lost that Green Bay game. We definitely wouldn't have lost that Chicago game with Lockett. So that's at least three wins right there. So those – and this season is an easy – we got an easier schedule this season. Yep. So I, I see 11-5, I see 12-4. and 5, Zach, that's a good point. Last year the Broncos had the second strength of schedule. This year it's middle of the pack, you know, yep. 12th or 14th or something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, the opponents are easier. The way the games are stacked is easier for the Broncos, and they really don't have an opponent on the schedule, Chad. You look at maybe besides Kansas City, that's unbeatable. And even them, the Broncos are always go toe to toe every single season. I'm not scared of anyone on the Broncos schedule this season. I mean, Eclipse. Both of those Chiefs games in 2018 were now. This was Case Keenum. This was a different coaching regime. But both those Chiefs games in 2018 were single-score games. Last year, I think because the Broncos lacked the firepower in the first game, I mean, Joe Flacco got sacked like seven or eight times in that game by the Chiefs. And then the second time, it was that weird snow game, just very unique conditions and only Drew Locke's second career road start. But do you see the Chiefs as being that Goliath that are just as impossible to beat type opponent? Or do you think, you know, if it bleeds, we can kill it? Well, actually, with the Chiefs, I see them coming back as some overly confident. And I see them having that, well, we're expected to win, so we're just going to go in here because we're the Chiefs and we're going to win. And it's, I don't see it. I see teams shutting them down. And with all the, the additions we got with Hamler, with, uh, uh, with Judy, uh, a healthy uh, Chubb coming back, uh, Casey, uh, um, uh, uh, um, Boye. Yep. I mean, we're gonna we we can we can do some things. So I don't really see them being a juggernaut that they were, be, simply because they were. And it's like, and now you're gonna have to either come up with a new formula that we haven't seen, or he's just gonna have to do something extra spectacular. And um, I wouldn't put it past Patrick Mahomes, but Ed. It, it's like a dog and pony show almost. So it's like eventually you're going to be like, oh, okay, we, we, we know what you're going to do. Let's boom, let's, let's do it. So <laughs> love it. Love the optimism, man. We're, this is a show that embraces optimism. We're glass half full type of guys. John, you have that question from Duke. He wants to know Eclipse, when the Broncos and the Eagles play each other, is it weird being the lone Bronco fan in an Eagles household? Never. I relish in it. I relish in it. And I sit there and I have a Brian Dawkins jersey also. But and I wear it every single time and they hate it. <laughs> Spite's a hell of a drug. Because it's actually autographed by him. So I keep that one tucked away. Nice. nice. Awesome. And then uh, Duke jumping back in on Super Chat this time. Very, very Thank much appreciated, my friend. He says, just for Eclipse, you're killing this live. My brother, you are an integral part of this MHH family. Thank you for what you bring. Well done. And we got to concur, man. This is uh, iced tea. I'm not going to drink beer on the live. So it's 
<laughs> All right, Glenn jumping in. Uh, $5 super. He says, uh, appreciate you, Glenn. As you know, my, my friend, he says, Philly is now known for four things. Cheesesteaks, booing Santa, Rocky, and Eclipse. Hashtag, there's a storm in Philly. Hashtag, MHH. Very well said, Glenn. Very well said. Well, thank you. But we got, uh, I think, the people from the, che- the cream cheese and and the soft pretzels might feel offended. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yes, indeed. We got Stu also jumping in. Everyone knows him. Zeus McPeak coming on down from MHH Mount Rushmore, where he shares a little space up there with this guy, with Eclipse Storeborn. He says, Eclipse, who has the better season this year? Jerry Judy, KJ Hamlin. Uh, I'm going to have to say – Slot receivers usually have a better season. So I would probably say Hamler because Judy's going to be on the outside opposite of Sutter, Sutton. So I'm going to say Judy might have more touchdowns, but I think Hamler's going to have more yard reception yards. It's going to be interesting, Zach, because we don't really quite yet. Everyone's already penciled in Jerry Judy as the wide receiver too. In fact, the Broncos have pretty much telegraphed their intention of doing that, installing him as the starter. But we know opposite of Sutton, as Eclipse said, but as we know, Hamler, I mean, you've got Pat Shermer, his base offense is three wide. So that third wide receiver is going to see a lot of snaps this year. And, and the truth is we just, it's hard to kind of project what to expect from KJ Hamler just because in Judy's case, not only was he prolific and productive in the SEC going up against NFL-level competition and all that, but with we, we kind of, in that sense, can project a little bit closer. He's got the right size, what maybe to expect in the NFL. Hamler, he's a little bit more diminutive. What's your outlook on, on Hamler this year, Zach? It's, it's going to be tough for him because, like I've been saying, Broncos fans think they're getting the next iteration of Tyree Kill or Deshaun Jackson. He has a ways to go in his development. He has to improve his route running, improve his hands, and really work up to speed at the NFL level. Also, bulk up conditioning-wise at the NFL level. Jerry Judy can play outside and the slot, whereas Hamler is limited pretty much just to the slot. So uh, in terms of pure volume, Jerry Judy was the first-round pick. He is the golden boy opposite Cortland Sutton. He's going to compete with Tim Patrick out there. He's going to be moved around the formation. Pat Shermer will do a lot with these receivers. I'm expecting neither, though, either Judy or Hamler, to have 1,000 yards. There's going to be 1,000-yard guy on this Broncos offense, more than likely, and that's Cortland Sutton. Judy's going to be around 800. Hamler may be 600. They're all going to contribute. This Broncos offense is going to be powerful, explosive, but it could take some time, especially with no offseason, no training camp pretty much, no preseason for these rookie wide receivers to assimilate in Pat Shermer's offense. All right. Uh, I, I think they might have more su- touchdowns than Sutton. Dude, I just was talking about this on Twitter uh day before yesterday, uh, and I've, I've mentioned it on the show many times, but – I do think Noah Fant is going to be follow a similar trajectory in year two that Sutton had, where, you know, really solid. I mean, rookie campaign, Sutton was solid. Fant at least had a record in terms of franchise record, uh, rookie campaign as a tight end. I think he's going to really leap forward in year two because everyone thinks, oh, Pat Shermer's coming to town. He, the, the, it's almost like a preconceived notion fans have that, oh, they've heard it so many times that he doesn't use tight ends. It's not true. The tight ends in his offense eat a lot. It's just that there's only one on the field at a time for the most part. So I see big things in store. I agree with you uh, on fan eclipse. He's going to have a big year. 
In the red zone, especially, he's going to be a monster. Mark That's Langley. Why I think he's have more touchdowns. He's going to he's going to top the team in touchdowns over they gotta, over They got to use that skill set, that size. I mean, he's a yeah. red zone weapon to a T. Uh, real quick, we got Mark Langley jumping in, showing some love on Super Thank Chat. You, Thank you, Mark. Big time member Thank of the Mark. community. He says, <laughs> he says, when the sun meets the moon, it's definitely it's definitely <laughs> a total eclipse. What's up, my guys? This cat right here is the coolest around. You got this, big homie. Hashtag MHH. And you know what, Eclipse? Right before I went live, I quote tweeted uh, one of, I think, either MHH promoting this podcast. And I said, we're about to have a total eclipse of the pod. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's not good, but it's, it's not terrible. <laughs> That's nice. I like that. <laughs> um, John, thank you. We got uh, – KP, Big Kevin in the house down Thank in Florida. You, Appreciate you. He says, Eclipse, more yards from scrimmage, Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay. You're killing a bro, and happy birthday to Christy. So who you got getting more scrimmage yards, Gordon or Lindsay? Well, thanks, Kevin. And uh, it's going to be Lindsay. Lindsay, no My doubt. My man. Lindsay. It is. Uh, it's, I, don't, it's, I don't even have to give you it. It's going to be Lindsay. That's all I can say. It's going to be Lindsay. <laughs> I uh, passing and and rushing, so it's yeah, that's all yards from scrimmage. Yeah, so here we got Brandon, Brandon on YouTube jumping in. Eclipse, do you feel that the Broncos got their corner in Michael Ojemudia, or do you feel there could be someone else? So I think to kind of rephrase this, thank you for your question, Brandon. Is Ojemudia this team's answer for the number two corner this year, or is it going to end up being somebody else? Well. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Schrodinger's cat, but I call him Schrodinger's Callahan because I don't know if what's in the box. I don't know. That's I don't awesome. know if there's actually a Callahan in there. I don't know. So it, it depends that's on the Callahan. That's what I. That's what it depends <laughs> on. That's that's the way because I mean he's not as polished as some of the other corners that came out earlier than him, but he can be something but i think he just would need time to to develop I, as any rookie would but i don't think he's just a a, a day one starter okay one Pause more here it. from from james and then we are going to cut eclipse loose and let him get back to his his awesome family james from across the pond showing some love on super chat and he says Thank eclipse you, of the players on the roster which one are you most excited to see this season you're a key part of the community. Great to hear your insight. Well, thanks, James. Uh, James, uh, uh, the players on this roster, I'm going to have to say Lindsey because he should have got paid. And I believe it was a few years ago I asked you guys, I compared Lindsey to Rod Smith, and I said he's undrafted, and he's got that – Huge, just boulder on him. Now he's got one on both shoulders now because <laughs> they get Melvin Gordon on the other side. It's like so he's just ready to just run through a wall right now. I I believe he's gonna be off the charts this season. Let me tell you something. I love this man, Eclipse Stormborn. Well, I've told this story before on the podcast, but when Mile High Huddle was on the twenty four seven Sports CBS Sports Network, we had a premium subscription offer where we would save specific content like deep dive film stuff, draft content only for paying subscribers and members. And then there was also a members only message board where you talk to us, the writers and the staff and uh, members could engage and all that stuff. 
And it broke my heart. It made me so mad because right when things fizzled with our relationship with 24-7 Sports and MHH had to go find a new a new home, somewhere new to hang our hat, we landed on our feet with Sports Illustrated and the rest is history. But Eclipse had just recently, just prior to that happening, had subscribed as a VIP. And so I, I just told him, man, I'm going to find a way to make it up to you someday. And I think he's actually been the one on the – He's reversed that equation. He's he's been just such a tremendous giver to this community and to this podcast and to MHH. And I just want you to know, Eclipse, before we cut you loose here tonight, that we just appreciate you more than we can say. And it's been we've really been looking forward to this episode. And it's been yeah. great getting a chance to talk to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate you guys. Y'all got me through some tough times, man, in these off seasons. And the community, I mean, everybody, I mean, Glenn, Christy, Mark. Geo is is everybody. I don't know James. Everybody, Kevin, Robert, all of y'all. It's, it's you know just the love. Like I said, we went from a country to a community to a family, and it's like I love it. So I love it. And if, 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 if this is Broncos world, I'd say the MHH pod is like the UN because we got like diplomats, <laughs> representatives from all around the world that just meet here. And we all just discuss problems. Right. <laughs> Eclipse, you've gotten us through some hard times as well this offseason. The feeling is definitely mutual, and I'm digging that Atwater jersey behind you. It's definitely dope. Wow. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Heck, yeah. All right, guys. Well, make sure, obviously, you know the conversation is going to continue with Eclipse in, in the chat stream and in future pods in the chat stream. But make sure you follow him on Twitter as well. He's a great Twitter follow, yeah. at Eclipse Stormborn, as you can see on the screen here. Unique way to spell it for those of you listening as a podcast at E K L Y P S. That's how he spells Eclipse. E K L Y P S. Stormborn on Twitter. Find him. Thank you so much for joining us, my friend. We'll look forward to getting you back on the show when we actually have a product on the field that we can all get together and analyze. And and uh, it'll be a gas later on this this uh, fall. And Greg Smith says great job, Eclipse. But thanks for joining us, my friend. Thank you for having me. I love all y'all and happy Hump Day. Have a great night, y'all. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, 
infertile, impotent, Joe Biden, and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. We love you too. There he goes. Eclipse Stormborn. What a cool guy, man. Coming to the Up podcast, dropping some knowledge and just absolutely crushing it, Zach. Cool guy. What a great Great interaction, Chad. You know, it's one of those you just want to hear what he has to say and the way he describes, the way he tells stories. And hearing an out-of-market Broncos fan, how they came to Jesus, so to speak, with Denver and how they found <laughs> the Broncos, it's always it's always a unique way. But his way of, you know, being in Philadelphia and then being forced to pick a team and not and rebelling against that team and just picking the other team out there, it's just fate leads you to some crazy things. It's, it was wild to hear that. He brings up a good point about how this podcast is – I mean, that's a great way to put it, the UN of Broncos country, because if you think about it, now we have the, you know, the hashtag state of being, everybody knows what it means. Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. He personifies that. And if you think about it, Zach, you, you go back. So this was the fifth installment. Every super chat superstar, every key crucial member of this community that we've had on the podcast and almost all the regulars that we know that are in the conversation every day, there are some exceptions, but just let's just narrow it down to those who've been on the show so far. Every one of them, well, I should put it this way, not one of them lives in Denver. So it right. is a Broncos world. And that's it's a it's an honor to be considered, as as Eclipse said there, the UN of Broncos country. It's great. You would never suspect that either. You would just assume that most of these fans are from Denver, born and raised in Colorado, and it's not the case. Broncos fans, they travel well. They're scattered throughout, not just the country, Chad, but we've interacted people in Japan and, and, and everywhere oh, yeah. around the world, Australia, literally every continent pretty much we've interacted with, and it's, it's crazy to see that. Yeah. I mean, we've, I've had people reach out from uh, Saudi Arabia, all right, so from the Middle East, from South America, from – Lots of our fans Canada, in, England, in, I mean, in uh, Europe. I mean, that's yeah. I, the only one I can think off the top of my head, like a major country. I don't think we've I've ever had anyone reach out or make it known that they're in China. But other than that, it's just a massive community. And it's great to see how it's just caught fire and continued to grow and the friendships and the bonds that get created yeah. in the community. And it's just really fun. But so anyway, make sure you fo- you follow Eclipse Stormborn on Twitter. He's a great dude, great dude, and very knowledgeable Broncos fan, as you saw here tonight. Zach, really quick, I want to grab this just unbelievably <laughs> generous super chat from the wizard himself jumping in once again, showing some love. <laughs> and that's, what, the fifth, fifth I believe, um, podcast in a row that he has shown this level of generosity and – all we can tell you, my friend, is it just blows us away. Like we just appreciate it more than we can say. And uh, it's been great getting to know and talk with you on these pods and and DMing on Twitter and whatnot. And we're we're pulling for your uh, bookstore. We'll continue to help you plug that as best we can in our own modest way. But he says, uh, going to be honest, just got my Super Nintendo in the mail, and I'm currently playing Super Mario World. So I'm half paying attention, <laughs> but I still love you. Can't blame you. Yeah, I mean, that's just – Unbelievable generosity. Yeah. 
It seriously is. And I, you know, Mondungus, we, we so appreciate everything you do. Just interacting with us. We so appreciate every comment you contribute. We want you to enjoy that game. Enjoy your Super Nintendo. Enjoy the nostalgia that comes along with it. And whether you're paying attention fully or, or halfway, uh, we, uh, we, we love the interaction. Thank you so, so much. Absolutely. And this goes, I mentioned this, I wanted to just take a second real quick, and then we'll get to some more Bronco talk. But I just wanted to take a second and reemphasize, reiterate what I said to close Monday's show, which is that with CV and the word that she'll go and mention, the way it has decimated so many different sectors in the economy, our community is so widespread, different people have been affected in different ways, but everybody's been affected. If you are in the community, if you're a business owner, brick and mortar, or digital, either way, and uh, we can help you, let us know. I mean, we don't mind shouting out a link, shouting out a location. I mean, it's not something we're looking to charge anybody for, like to advertise on the podcast. We're just saying if we can help you, shout you out, draw a little, some eyeballs and some foot traffic your way in whatever modest way we can, we're happy to do that. And uh, Mundungus, again, man, thank you so much for your support and enjoy your, your video game, brother. By the way, Terry jumps in north of the 49th uh, parallel. He's going to be on not next week, but the week after. And he uh, given some props to Eclipse. You're going to smash this Eclipse. And as always, Terry, we appreciate your support. And then uh, let me just check something real quick here. Zach, I wanted to get your thoughts. I co-titled this particular podcast, uh, Elway's Best and Worst Draft Picks, because Bob Morris of Mile High Huddle recently just put out this week – Elway seven worst free agent pickups and seven best free agent pickups. And I wanted to get your thoughts, get the community's thoughts on that. Um, But real quick, before we do that, let me just jump down here. The chat stream just did a massive jump and I don't want to miss anybody. We got our friend, a six foot 10 Mexican. He's got a podcast. Um, Check it out. Uh, What is it, Zach? It's uh, Bronco talk. I believe check him out. He's, he's just getting started. He says, and appreciate the super, by the way, my friend. He says, how do you guys think Coach Fangio will do in his second year? Hashtag 24-7 survivor. Hashtag happy B-Day, Christy. Um, <clears throat> you know, I am – I'll be honest with you. I could understand why so many fans that first quarter of the season last year were so alarmed by Fangio, the way the defense just, you know, after leading the Chicago Bears to the number one ranking in – almost every major statistical category the year prior, and then just being known as a defensive czar for two decades in the NFL, fan expectation for the Broncos defense, let's just face it, for the most part the entire season, but especially that first quarter, the first half, I'll say, of the season, it just didn't add up. It didn't meet those expectations. He eventually, I mean, he had to roll with some pretty serious personnel losses, first Bryce Callahan, then Bradley Chubb. There's a few others that affected him, but he eventually kind of slapped it together and got hit. I think it took him some time to figure out how to call plays from the sideline. Not to say, I mean, it's just a different feel. And he's talked about that. He always called from the booth where he could see everything, calling from the sideline, juggling the duties, Zach, in the game of decision-making and engaging with players and coaches and the whole nine yards. It took him some time to get that figured out. But, Zach, I'm I'm more prone to judging Fangio from that last, the, basically the second half of the season on. And especially once you had Drew Locke, a competent, viable, dynamic quarterback inserted into the equation. I mean, this was a defense, though, for all of its faults and you know its failure to kind of meet expectations last year, Zach. 
it still finished as the number one red zone defense in the NFL, which frankly is probably the biggest reason that team was able to hang and and kind of harass teams that they maybe until Locke got inserted didn't have any business of beating or hanging with. That red zone defense was a big part of that. But I, I think Fangio is going to do well in year two. He was dealt a pretty crappy hand last year, Chad. I'm not talking about just on defense. I mean, on the offensive side as well, having Joe Flacco as your starting quarterback and being a rookie head coach, being involved in all sides of the ball, not just defense, as he was accustomed to for, what, three decades. Um, He wasn't perfect, but where he started to kind of turn things around and where I got a glimmer of hope was his coaching decisions. It's something we did not see from Vance Joseph. He was playing DeMarcus Walker at two spots, for example, whereas Vic Fangio decided to take Shelby Harris off nose tackle, put in Mike Purcell. Take Josie Jewell out of the game and put in A.J. Johnson. Those two moves he made, Fangio made, were the biggest benefactors for the Broncos finishing where where they did on defense. The entire defense was night and day different after those two personnel moves were made, and that was Fangio's call. So that gave me hope as the year wore on, he was growing into the role. I'm not expecting him to be Bill Walsh or, or Bill Belichick this season. He has a lot to prove, but I think having a more... Uh, veteran, experienced offensive coaching staff. He doesn't have to worry about handling that side of the ball. He has Pat Shermer. And Pat Shermer, as the coordinator, is like having an, uh, another head coach on the sideline. It's yep. good for him to lean on as well. I really have no problem with Fangio. I mean, he has all the pieces back now. Chubb, Callahan, got Jarrell Casey, got Boye. This defense, and, and a motivated Vaughn as well, this defense is going to be absolutely electric. And it's going to be because Vic Fangio has another year in his system. He's changed the culture. He removed the stink from the VJ era. He's building it his way from the ground up, and the players are buying in. And we saw it kind of come to life at the end of year one and going into year two. Even with no offseason, no preseason, I expect Fangio to have them right on top of their game, out of the gates. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Well said, man. Well said. You know, people like to say Fangio has two former head coaches as assistants in Mike Munchak and, as you mentioned, Pat Shermer. But I like to include and think of it as having three and include Mike Shula because Mike Shula was the former head coach. He preceded Nick Saban as the head coach of Alabama Crimson Tide. 
So he and he's just I mean, he's the son of Don Shula. Yeah. His roots in the NFL bloodlines as they yeah. go. Yes, the bloodlines. So it, you're right. That's got to be a major you know, not so much a relief, but it's just taking pressure and focus off his plate, Fangio, that he's got competent coaches, experienced vets that can take care of business without him feeling like he has to micromanage or whatever. I mean, we had Vic Fangio, for example, in week 13 in the in Drew Locke's first start. Now, this is common of coaches, so I don't want to make too much of this. Head coaches stepping in and, you know, changing a call or changing a decision. But we had Rich Scangarello on that final Bronco possession wanting to kneel on the ball when it, with it tied. And Fangio said, no, 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 no. What? What's the call? No, no, no. We're going to take a shot. And they did, and it wasn't complete, but they got the P.I. on Cortland Sutton, kicked the field goal, got off the field with the win. So that those type of concerns, not to say that he's going to agree with Pat Shermer on every little decision and call that he makes, but I think that's a good point you bring up, that that takes a lot off of his plate. And by the way, Kenneth Booker jumping in, he says, I love hearing everyone's voice. It feels like you get to know them even better. Love this community, and we agree with you, man. That's been one of the cool parts about getting a chance to meet the community in person. And speaking of one of the guys we've gotten a chance to meet Zeus McPeak, who already showed some love on super early in the show when Eclipse had a message for Eclipse, but it just, you just continue to astound us, my friend with your, your generosity and your passion and support for MHH. And we just love you, my friend. And if you got time tomorrow, I keep, I think there's a third pot. I'm going to message you tonight. Let's, if you get off work tomorrow, call me, I need your advice, figure out how to set up my command center here. I need to get that done because my wife and I were actually just talking about that last night. And I said, oh, I got to talk to Stu. She's like, who's Stu? I said, oh, come on. You got another Zeus. Stu. Anyway, Zeus, thank you so much, my friend. Appreciate you. This is why, Zeus, you're literally and figuratively sitting on the throne of the Huddle Up podcast. We, we appreciate you more than words can ever, ever describe. Okay. Real quick, Zach. I Let's see. Where are we sitting time-wise? We're at 42 minutes. All right, I wanted to get your take on, let me start with, first off, Bob's seven worst free agent moves uh, from John Elway since he arrived in the front office back in 2011. Um, Let me do a quick share screen. Excuse me, one second here. I want our audience to be able to see this right along with us here. But as you can see, John Elway's seven worst free agent moves as Broncos GM. And Bob does a great job with cap and, you know, analyzing value when it comes to different personnel moves and was a good, very astute analyst. Here's the seven uh, best, or excuse me, worst moves John Elway made in free agency. Zach, first, he's got listed as number seven in descending order, uh, using a right of first refusal tender on CJ Anderson following Super Bowl 50. So his quick quote here, the Broncos had limited cap space in 2016 offseason, had a major contract negotiation to consider for Von Miller, the recipient of the exclusive franchise tag that year. Elway thus made a few moves coming out of Super Bowl 50's triumph that appeared to be about clearing the way to pay Miller. That included giving Anderson the right of first refusal restricted free agent tender, which allowed any team to sign him to an offer sheet, but provided no draft pick compensation if the Broncos declined to match the offer. Then Adam Gase, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, signs Anderson to an offer sheet, four years, $18 million. And the way the Dolphins structured it was to include a $5 million roster bonus in 2016. Elway decides to match the offer, which meant he paid more in 2016 than he would have uh, 
on the second round RFA tender, which was about two and a half million at the time. Though Anderson was solid in terms of production, if Elway had hoped to save some cash that year, things didn't work out as expected. Do you see that as as a bad enough move to land on a top seven list like this? That's what I was thinking. It's like, it, it is a bad move, but I don't know if it was one of the overall worst. The thing though, that stands out to me, he's willing to pay CJ Anderson, but not Philip Lindsay. It's what are, what is the inconsistency here? Why not pay a more dynamic player? Who's a homegrown guy who doesn't do any complaining. CJ Anderson was constantly complaining on Twitter, constantly feeling bad for himself and victimizing himself. He was not endearing himself to the fan base at all. Whereas Philip Lindsay has done nothing but that. So it was a bad move, but I'm looking at it like, this is another example of Elway. He does pay running backs. It's just he has an axe to grind with Lindsay, Lindsay in specific, and I don't understand that. It's a classic example of NFL teams don't budge on money, with very few exceptions, until there's a deadline or a reason to force their hand. And in Anderson's case, he was hitting free agency, so they RFA tendered him. And as Bob detailed there, it didn't quite work out the way the Broncos expected it to. They underestimated the hatred Adam Gase continued to harbor in his heart for the Broncos. And I mean, that entire thing, I wouldn't be surprised if literally Zach, that entire overture from Gase with Anderson was designed simply to just stick the Broncos to to pay more. Yes, exactly. All right. Number six, he's got the extension of Darian Stewart. So that's not to be confused with the initial signing of Darian Stewart, which was a great example of Elway finding a low value under the radar guy who had been a backup on other teams. The Broncos saw starting capability, bring him in on a backups, basically a backups type of deal with the idea of starting him. And he went on to not only make a pro bowl as a Bronco, but also contribute obviously in the, he was in that, uh, an OG basically of the no fly zone. One of the founding members of the, the no fly zone, big key part of the Super Bowl 50 championship extending him though. Here's what Bob says. Let's make one thing clear. When LA added Stewart in free agency in 2015, it was a great move. Two years, $4.25 million. Stewart proved his worth, but he was the type of player that was best to allow to depart once his initial deal expired. Instead, Elway opted to keep the band together and gave Stewart a four-year, $28 million extension midway through the 2016 season, which was his contract year. While Stewart played well in 2016, he didn't match the level of play he showcased in his first two years and was a cap casualty in 2019. But what was your take on on Stewart as number six? Oh, man. You know, I like the initial signing of Darian Stewart. I liked him in Baltimore, and he was good, you know, with TJ Ward and Akeem Tlaib, Chris Harris Jr. initially, but he fell off fast, Chad. I mean, that guy was like the Todd Davis of safeties for the Broncos. <laughs> One of the worst people in coverage I have ever seen. And I, I, it stands out to me in 2017, the Broncos are playing the Raiders. And Johnny Holton, who exactly literally torched Denver untouched right down the field, ran right past Darian Stewart, who was like 10 yards behind him. He was just a broken down shell of a safety, decent in run support, but awful in pass coverage. I would have not invested another penny in him. And I think it's worth, again, I don't know if it's hard to narrow down just seven moves, Chad, but it's worth mentioning Darian Stewart among the worst re-signings in the LA era. Um, really quick, you're right, man. I still remember that getting the way Stewart got smoked on that deep ball. Just Crazy. so slow. And it was surprising how the Broncos failed to recognize his decline. Real quick, I want to shout out Mike Evans, who is just such a strident supporter of the podcast, dedicated member of the community. Yeah. And we really appreciate you, Mike. And we look forward to one day getting you on the show. 
probably going to be in September sometime. We've got August pretty well booked up, but we're looking forward to one day getting you on the show early September. So probably right before the season's about to start. But he says, appreciate this show. Thanks for giving us something positive to think about. And uh, you do the same for us, Mike. You, you keep Zach and I going and John, yeah. and it really is reciprocal. Um, Glenn also jumping in again. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Glenn. He says, the offensive stats will be so interesting this year with so many weapons. Only Drew is uh, um, lock <laughs> to have big numbers. <laughs> Hashtag state of being in China. <laughs> Hashtag happy birthday, Christy. All right. Thank you, Glenn. Um, all right. Let me just rapid fire these a little bit more. Yeah. Number five, no surprise that he makes this list, Jawan James. But let me quote Bob here. He says, the right tackle position is one that Elway hasn't had the most success with in addressing in most years. He thought that he had the guy in James who played his first five seasons with the Miami Dolphins. James received a four-year, $51 million contract that made him one of the highest paid right tackles in the NFL. That deal included $27 million in full guarantees, but James took almost no snaps in his first season with the team. It was actually 63 total, which is less than, less than 10%. Well, let's see. Thousand snaps on offense usually is a, is about what to expect in an NFL season. So yeah, I mean it was. And then he says thanks to a knee injury, um, and the Broncos knew about his health issues though when they signed him, which made his deal that more risky. Of course, James still has a chance to prove his worthiness, which is something I think we need to, to address. If he stays healthy, plays well for the next two seasons. But if not, this deal could go to the top of the list among always worst free agency decisions. Close quote. You know what? I hate the contract, Chad. I don't hate the player. It's a lot like Melvin Gordon, even though I like James more of a player than I do like Melvin Gordon. He was really good in Miami, good in pass pro, good in, in run blocking. He had some injury history there. He had some mental uh, you know, toughness questions about him in Miami. But the bigger moves, the bigger blunders to me were the reason why they had to overpay for Juwan James. And that's because they didn't have a right tackle for so many years. They whiffed on Donald Stevenson, who was terrible in Kansas City. Then they whiffed even harder on Mentally Watson, who was awful in Oakland. If they didn't make those two botch signings, they wouldn't have had to overspend for Juwan James. So I think it's a good player, and I think he'll come back to life with the Broncos in 2020. But I would put Watson and Stevenson on this list higher than I would Juwan James. Steve Baumgartner jumping in with a $5 super. Really Thank appreciate you, Steve. that, Steve. And he says, hey, guys, can't wait for next Wednesday. Happy birthday, Christy. That's right, dude. We're looking forward to talking to you as well, Stephen. He'll be episode number six of our superstar segment. So we can't wait either, man. It's going to be a gas. All right, let's grab the next one here, Zach. Number four, Case Keenum. Suffice to say, Keenum got a two-year deal worth $36 million, $25 million fully guaranteed, but he didn't reach the level of play that was expected from him in 2018. Zach, you talked about this, I think it was yesterday on Twitter, might have been Monday, about the dead money. Yeah. Uh, the Broncos are ranked amongst the league's top over the last, was it two or three seasons, in dead money charges. Keenum's 2019 salary had a was a big chunk of that. It was about $7 million. And again, you hate the contract, not necessarily the player. It didn't work out in Denver, but you have to justify it by saying Keenum was coming off a magical run with Minnesota. He was a very hot prospect as a quarterback. The Broncos just whiffed on Paxton Lynch. They wanted to go for a veteran. I understand this signing. I didn't like it. I still don't like it. I'll never like it. It was awful, but I understand this more than I do Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco to me, Chad, if number one is not Paxton Lynch, it would be Joe Flacco. Keenum, I kind of understood. 
Well, in this case, it, he's, he's only talking free agency. He's got Joe Flacco ranked number three, and this is where there's an exception because Flacco was a trade. So he touched on that at the top of the article, though, that he's going to include at least one trade on here. Joe Flacco, I think, Zach, where it becomes unforgivable is I can understand the team looking for a stopgap with the plan of going into the 2019 draft to you know, draft their, their future franchise guy, and they did that with Drew Locke. But why couldn't you just keep Case Keenum for that purpose? Why did you have to right. give up a fourth-round pick to get Joe Flacco? Arguably, Keenum, younger, and coming off a more solid – I mean, it was lackluster 2018, don't get me wrong, but Flacco was coming off a year that he got hurt and right. just kind of burned out in Baltimore. Whereas with Keenum, I mean, you ended up having to pay for him both. That's what was so frustrating is, yes, Washington took on a big chunk of Keenum's contract, but – the Broncos essentially had to pay for Flacco and Keenum. Both of them, best case scenario was temporary stopgap, and Elway had to know that. Yeah, I, I, it's inexcusable, Joe Flacco. I mean, after the Keenum disaster, Elway should have realized the NFL is trending. And that year, it was Jared Goff and the and the Rams in the Super Bowl. It was a young, hotshot quarterback who they developed. And it should have been clear to John Elway, it's a young quarterback as a way to go. you got to find that guy. You can't just put these ineffectual band-aids over the most important position in all of sports. And they fail with Keenum. They fail with Osweiler the year before that. And they're going to go back to the well with Joe Flacco, who was in his late 30s, and they're talking him up as this understood franchise quarterback. They thought they were getting the MVP, Joe Flacco, of 2012, and he couldn't have looked anything opposite of that. So it, there's no justifying Chad the con- to take on his contract, to give up compensation for him, and then to ride and die with him throughout the entire season. And only an injury was the only reason he came out of the lineup. If he never got injured, Chad, you have to wonder how many more games he would have started for the Broncos, unfortunately. Well said, my friend. All right, let's get to these last two. They kind of go hand in hand. First is the second worst sign, according to Bob, Donald Stevenson, the offensive tackle in 2016. Just for a review. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You, uh, Elway, paid Donaldson, uh, Donaldson, Donald Stevenson like a starter after he had basically been a backup with the Kansas City Chiefs. $15 million over three years, $6 million guaranteed. Struggled in 2016. Took a, a, well, he became this team's swing tackle instead of a starter. Earned $2.5 million in 2017. Actually had a couple of solid games, but he took a little bit of a, a, a renegotiation on his contract, which helped take a little bit of the sting off that whiff. And then number one, of course, is Menelik Watson in 2017. The deal Watson got, three years, $18.35 million from the Broncos, which isn't huge money, but still, both of those moves, Zach, in back-to-back years were billed as the solution to the turnstile that had become the right tackle position. Menelik Watson makes Garrett Bowles look like, you know, Tyron Smith. Uh, he he was that bad. I have never seen a worse tackle in pass pro than Menelik Watson. And, and there's no justifying it. There's no you know, there's no silver lining to that signing. But my God, how bad was 2017? Vance Joseph, the draft class, the free agent signings, literally everything blew up in John Elway's face that year. It is If there's one year to forget, it's not 2020, it's 2017 in the Elway era. Kenneth, I will have an answer to you or for you on this topic of El- my favorite Elway comeback on tomorrow night's show on the Mile High Mailbag this week. I promise you on that. Um, William on Facebook. Hey, Chad and Zach from Cayuga, Cay- Cayuga, Indiana. Love watching you guys go Broncos. Try to watch you guys every time you're on on Facebook. Really appreciate you, that, William. Good to have you in the stream with us, my friend. All right. Zach, we've got we're at fifty six minutes, so I want to rapid fire these best El, uh, Elway's best seven best free agent moves real quick because there's a couple other supers uh, that we cannot neglect here tonight that we got to get to, and we're buttoned up right against our our deadline. So I'm going to run through these quite quickly here. Yeah. Let me close some of these. Um, bear with me one second. Okay, first and foremost, number seven. This is the Another trade like the Flacco move on the worst. Jared Valdir checks in at number seven as one of the best moves Elway made, according to Bob. Number six, the signing of Evan Mathis in 2015, literally on the doorstep of the regular season. And Zach, what made that one so sweet was it was a one-year deal, which we know, but it was basically a million bucks plus some incentives. Like they got him on the cheap and he helped them win a Super Bowl. Uh, Number five was the signing of Pot roast, Terrence Knighton back in 2013. Number four was the signing of Emmanuel Sanders. And what made that one so sweet is not only the fact that he went on to make a massive impact as a Bronco, Super Bowl 50, multiple thousand yard seasons, couple of Pro Bowls in the orange and blue, but the fact that the Broncos Elway swooped him out literally from the Chiefs facility, signed him out from under the Kansas City Chiefs, not just because Elway is a silver tongued devil, but because Sanders coveted the opportunity just a few months removed from the Broncos, setting the league on fire, 606 points, all-time record, Peyton Manning. He wanted the chance to play with the Sheriff, and so he came to Denver, but the Chiefs ended up on the back burner there. And then uh, number three is kind of a little bit of a cheat. He includes them together as a, as a triumvirate. What a year that was, 2014. It really was, because you had Sanders and DeMarcus Ware, Aqib Tlaib, TJ Ward in that 2014 offseason. And not only did that trio contribute to one of the best defenses all time to win a world championship, but they combined for seven 
Pro Bowls together in the orange and blue. Ware was only a Bronco for three years, Talib four, Ward two and, a, and some change, but really two seasons. So that uh, I definitely concur. Number two, as far as decisions, extending Chris Harris Jr. in 2014. And his point here is the fact that Elway got him on the relative cheap. It seemed like big money yeah. because he was a, only a couple of years removed from being a college free agent. But even then, it was a lower tier uh, contract for NFL corners. And he definitely outkicked his coverage there. Although we never heard the end of it, right? He's always talking about how he took a haircut and he's never going to take a haircut again. And, you know, anyway. Then, then obviously the number one free agent move for the Broncos in the Elway era, <laughs> signing of Peyton Manning. Need I say more? Yeah, that's uh, quite the resume, Chad. A lot of feathers in Elway's caps. I'm going to say DeMarcus Ware, though, should be a little higher on that list. I mean, not only you're getting a future Hall of Fame pass rusher, and the defense did win them a title, you gave him a perfect mentor for Von Miller. I mean, is there a better bookend pass rushing duo of the last half decade or decade than Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware? I mean, all those moves are great. Peyton Manning's a no-brainer, but my God, 2014, Chad. What an offseason for Elway. All right, let's grab... uh... Mundungus real quick, who's wow. jumping back in and showing more generosity. You don't have to do that, bro. You know that. He says, I was doing terrible with Mario, so I've switched to GoldenEye. <laughs> now, that's a game, dude. Get, get I remember the golden gun. GoldenEye in college. Get anyway. the Golden Gun and go to paintball mode. That was, that was my childhood right there. On uh, my N64 against my five-year-old, he has no chance. Pretty sure I saw him shed a tear. <laughs> Probably how <laughs> Bulls feels against literally anyone. <laughs> Mark's alter ego right there. Yeah, taking it. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome, Mundungus. Thanks, man. Really appreciate yeah. your support, brother. Really, really do. We got Nicholas Thompson. Oh, sorry, John. Uh, <laughs> a name I don't recognize on Super Chat. So thank you for thank you, joining Nicholas. us live, and thank you for supporting the podcast live. And it means a lot to us, my friend. If you got any questions or comments, be sure to get them in the stream, and we will look for those there. But Zach, as we uh, I'm going to scroll down here. Eclipse, you don't have to do that, bro. Eclipse showing some oh, love man. on Super Chat. You don't have to do that. He's the man. Eclipse, he really you're, is. you're a boss, bro. Seriously. Yep. Check out, though, dude, when you get some time, check out Silver Linings Playbook. I'm telling you. It's like a dramedy. It's a, it's a drama, but it's also <laughs> funny. It's got a lot of laugh-out-loud moments, but it's one of the better movies I've seen probably in the last 10 years. It's a, It's been out for a while now. It's about 10 years old probably now that I think about it, but mm-hmm. – it's a great movie, and it I consider it to be a sports movie because of how central the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles play to that particular story. But anyway, Eclipse, you're the man. Appreciate you, bro. Um, okay, Zach, what I wanted to touch on here, and then we'll grab Duke, is the fact that I want I want everybody to dial back in time to March-ish, late February, March 2012, the Broncos go in on – they throw their hat into the ring on Peyton Manning. Honestly, I want to know how many of you coming off that Tebow season and just the general – what you knew about Peyton Manning then, he was basically viewed as the Bronco killer. He was actually hated by most Broncos fans back then right? because he had single-handedly – not only was he a superstar and you know sometimes fans of rival teams love to hate the superstar – but he was literally the Bronco killer. In back-to-back wildcard rounds, uh, 03 and 04, he trounced Jake Plummer's Broncos in the playoffs. And I honestly, when, it, when he first hit the market, I didn't give the Broncos much of a chance of locking him down, Zach. 
And John Elway's pitch to him is really, you know, combined with what Tebow did to bring this team back into the national focus and, you know, being able to kind of showcase the young talent on offense, Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, all that. John Elway's pitch to him was the takeaway. It was the soft sell. It was, here's what we can do for you, uh, for you and then just leave him alone. He didn't try and pressure him. They didn't try and, you know, give him ultimatums and deadlines. That was a huge factor for Peyton Manning, who, meanwhile, was being pressured and manipulated and pushed by almost every other potential suitor out there. Yeah. But it almost came down to the Washington Redskins, but I, I still don't think it, it would have happened because it would have required him playing Eli twice a year. But he wanted to play with Mike Shanahan. Elway was the next best thing, I guess, or probably the better option for him. And I think the, that four-year reign he had in Denver – Zach, I don't know if that could ever be duplicated for a veteran quarterback kind of on the back nine of his career coming in. How productive – I mean, he basically achieved in that four years in terms of accolades and team accomplishments. He condensed it into four years what he had done in the previous 14 there in Indianapolis. Right. But I – I mean, if you think back to 2012, did you really view the Broncos as a viable contender to land Peyton? No, I mean, considering all the other suitors for him, you had – um uh, the Dolphins owner, I can't think of his name, Stephen uh, Stephen Ross. Yeah, he was flying his private jet across the country trying to land Peyton Manning. You had Jim Harbaugh with the Niners trying to land him. You had the Tennessee Titans making a huge pitch for Peyton Manning, trying to bring him back home to where he played college ball. And the Broncos, I think it came down to having a well-respected coach like Mike Shanahan, but also a guy in charge in Elway who's a Hall of Fame quarterback. It was Peyton and Elway, they were equals. They were both two of the best to ever play the game. And I think Elway just plugged into that. And Elway didn't try so hard like the other, like Stephen Ross did or like Jim Harbaugh did. He just sold him straight up on what he can do in Denver, what he wants to build in Denver. And the thing about Peyton, Chad, which will never happen again, is that Peyton got better after he signed with the Broncos. It wasn't his twilight years. It wasn't Emmett Smith joining the Cardinals for the last couple seasons of his career. This was a guy who was just getting started and still was playing at the top of his game. He set more records with the with the Broncos than he did with the Colts. So it was one of those stars aligning that we'll never see again. It was a once and a century type of move. Everything broke right. All right, let's uh, rapid fire since we're on the wrong side of the one hour mark. We got to really hurry. Unfortunately, we got Duke jumping back in. Appreciate you, my Thank friend. You, Duke. He says, I heard the coin shortage is due to John Elway prepping to give Locke a big contract. I'd put my two cents on that, but I have no change. You know that's a that's a that's definitely something coming down the pike. If Locke is who most of us I think believe yeah. that he is, but still, that's not really something the Broncos are going to worry about till let's see, 2021, 2020, early twenty twenty two probably is when that becomes uh, rubber meeting the road. They don't, I mean, NFL teams just don't budge on contracts till there's a deadline. Plus, they have the franchise tag at their disposal, so they can drag that out a couple more years if they wanted. He'll be under team control, assuming he pans out. For quite a while. All right. Uh, we got James jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend, across the Thank pond. You, he says, on offense, you got 21 years of NFL offensive coordinator experience, seven years collegiately. On defense, uh, excluding Fangio, 14 years of an NFL defensive coordinator, or is it? Yeah, 20 years collegiately, three head coaches on staff, two assistant head coaches. And then he says down here, let me grab it. His uh, Thank you. What happens if a coach gets it? This is a competent adult coaching staff, and it's good that Denver has coaches with experience at other positions and can step up. Well said, man. Well said. I mean, yeah. really the biggest difference is they've, got, they've had so many upgrades in talent too 
that it's I'm telling you, man, I don't think I'm that far off the the mark here saying nine to 11 wins, like somewhere in that pocket. And with the NFL opening up, opening up an additional playoff spot, going from six teams, making it to seven. I really like the, the Broncos chances of competing for, they might not be able to win the AFC West this year, but competing for the dance. And James, you know, I fully agree with you. I saw that you kind of railed against the ESPN ranking of the Broncos coaching staff. They were like 24th or 26th, whatever it was. And I don't see that at all. I mean, Vic Fangio is one of the most well-respected defensive coordinators in the game. And then you hire Pat Shermer, who's a great coordinator, awful head coach to run the offense. Those two pair together alone. Then you have Mike Munchak. Then you have Ed Donatel. You have some big hitters on this coaching staff. And even though the record didn't reflect it last year, there's a lot of ability. And like I mentioned earlier, fans Fangio's decision, personnel-wise, to insert Purcell and A.J. Johnson, that alone should have given them a higher placement than where they were. They should have been – I agree with Nick on the podcast yesterday. They should have been around 15th, 14th, somewhere in that pocket. Definitely yeah. not in the, in the late 20s. That was ridiculous. Dennis Woods jumping in, bona fide superstar. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Dennis. He says, thanks, guys. Been trying to temper my optimism, but can't help thinking this season is going to be special. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag – Denver Broncos for life. Hey man, that's how we're feeling. That's how we're feeling. And I think when your team finishes four and one with a highly drafted rookie quarterback, you have good reason to feel that way. Uh, Nicholas Thompson jumping back in. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Nicholas. He says, uh, smashing that like button, hashtag state of being in New Mexico. Very interesting. Very cool to see where everybody's from. Love that. Appreciate that, Nick. Um, Okay, a couple more. Sorry, guys, we got to rapid fire these ones because we got to get going here tonight. Derek, Derek. Green jumping in. He and his wife, Adina, appreciate you showing Thank some you. generosity like that, Derek, as you always do. Appreciate you, bro. He says, missed the last two pods because of work, but it's great to see you guys, and we just want to show our support. Can't wait till next week when camp starts, which it does. I mean, tomorrow the rookies and Drew Locke and the, and the rehab guys – They'll show up, get that first CV test. Then they'll quarantine Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come back in Sunday for another. And then if it's all clear on both those tests for each player, then Monday they show up and camp begins for them. And then the veterans will follow that same protocol later on in that week. And we're off and running. It's it's happening. Uh, Terry jumping in up in Canada. Appreciate you, bro. He says, uh, hashtag football priest and hashtag state of being, which you really do exemplify, Terry. Yeah. You really do. Thanks, thank my you, brother. Uh, John, is there anything? Oh, Kathy, thank you for, for showing you. some love on Super Chat, Kathy. really means a lot to us. I hope you know that. She says, good evening, Broncos country. Sorry I'm late. Just got in from work. Hashtag state of being, baby. That's awesome, Kathy. We need to get you some some uh, swag, Kathy. So shoot me an email. Let's get you uh, let's get you a hat or a face mask or a T-shirt or whatever you, you want. Let's get you some swag. I think that is it from our superstars tonight, guys. Sorry to to uh, rush here toward the end, but we really do have to wrap it up. I've explained to you in, in past podcasts why time is of the essence once we get over the hour mark. But anyway, big thanks to Eclipse Stormborn for joining us tonight. It was great getting a chance. It. To, he really did. He really did. He crushed it. So we look forward to uh, having him on again in the very near future. We look forward to uh, Stephen next week. And then it's going to be Terry. <clears throat> and then we'll have uh, August happening in earnest. And we got a, a, a nice little schedule of fans coming on the show. And by then we'll have some real happenings with the Broncos on the grass 
at UC Health Training Center to break down. Indeed. But in the meantime, guys, if we didn't get to your question, excuse me, if we didn't get to your comment, keep it in mind and come back tomorrow night and we will get to it because it is the Mile High Mailbag tomorrow night. It's our favorite podcast of each and every week where it's 100% opened up to you guys, our awesome community. So we'll get to you tomorrow. Meanwhile, make sure you are following the pod on Twitter at HuddleUpPod, at Mile High Huddle as well. And whatever you do, make sure you're following my partner here, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad N. Jensen. And you want to also make sure you're following John, at John K. MHH, and our guest tonight, Eclipse Stormborn, at Eclipse Stormborn. But Zach, look forward to tomorrow, our favorite pod. Have a great night, brother. We'll talk again tomorrow. You as well, everyone else out there. Have a great night. Have a great start to your Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow night. Favorite part of the week, Chad, every single week. Amen. And a happy birthday to Christy on her way out sure. once again. And uh, anyway, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars. We love you. Appreciate you more than we can say. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.